to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masonia Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. I am glad everyone has joined us today for our podcast, and we think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope for our listeners. So thanks for joining me, and I'm glad you're here to hear the stories of female food entrepreneurs. That was a good tongue twister. This is Sarah Massoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Sarah Marshall is out today, and we'll look forward to her returning real soon. We want to thank our sponsor, Market of Choice, for supporting our podcast, Masonia Marshall. And thank you for helping spread the word about women food entrepreneurs. Market of Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local food entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. Thank you, Market of Choice. We love you. So you may think I'm just repeating myself, but this is super important. I'm going to repeat some of the same news I told you last week. If you're a food entrepreneur, be sure to look up your regional food business center. There are 12 across the U.S. with a mission to connect underserved food folks with the technical service and assistance they need and funding to help them take their food business to the next level. I also suggest that you connect with your State Department of Agriculture to learn about funding they have to help you move your food idea forward. Other great news on October 26th here in our beautiful city at the Red on Salmon, the Portland Fruit Project will be creating the world's longest Char Fruit Tree Board, and tickets are only $35 to participate. They'll be featuring local food, fruit, and fun. I hope to see you there. Tickets can be purchased at Merck Tickets. That's M-E-R-C tickets.com. I've heard there's going to be over 500 feet of food. I just thought it would be fun to look up um, where you might find some apple cider donuts here in Oregon. And there's actually a list I found, and I'm just going to read them off real quick. The Red Barn in Sherwood, Oregon Heritage Farms in Hillsboro, Bauman's Farm and Garden Center in Jervis, Oregon, the Pumpkin Patch at Savi's Island, Fur Point Farms in Aurora, Oregon, Lee Farms in Tualatin, Bouches Family Farm in Boring, Oregon, Mountain View Orchards in Hood River, Oregon, and Packers Orchards in Hood River, Oregon. And while you're out, make sure and pick up some other fall favorites and many of the products that you've heard about on our show. Don't forget your squash, onions, and pumpkins, and maybe a bit of fresh honey. 
If any of our food friends out there have an announcement, please contact us through the website. Submit through through, uh, startupradionetwork.com or you can message us on Instagram at Masoni and Marshall. We'll be sure to help spread the news about any of your food products and ideas. We are joined with a very special guest today. We have Kelly Calabria of Kelly's Jelly. I am so glad you joined me today, Kelly, and I want to make sure and help connect our listeners to your company via social media and your website. Can you tell me what your links are for Instagram, Facebook, and the web? You, I sure can. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find us at kellysjelly.com. Our Instagram is kellysjellyoregon, spelled out um, O-R-E-G-O-N. And on Facebook, we're at Kelly's Jelly. Great. So if people wanted to buy your products, how would they do that? They can do it in a number of ways. We uh, obviously sell it on our website, and that's great for shipping across the country to all of your friends and family who need a little taste of Oregon. Um, And then in the local area, you can find us at Market of Choice, uh, New Seasons, Zoo Pans, uh, Safeway, Albertsons, um, Fred Meyer. So we're in we're in quite a few stores in the Pacific Northwest um, and also in the California area. Ooh, sounds like you're well, greatly available across uh, the U.S. And hey, I wanted to let people know that Kelly was on the show, show number 46, a couple of years ago. And we've invited her back with some of our updates based on what's been going on over the last three years. And so I'm going to start off by asking you, what's changed? (laughs) What has changed? What hasn't changed, Sarah? I mean, that is a question. (laughs) We were were in the thick of it with COVID, I believe, when we first came on. Um, I believe that before... We actually came on the show. You were you were doing these interviews in person, and we transitioned yeah. to Zoom mm-hmm. shortly after that. So I feel like that was sort of new um, back then, and now it's just commonplace. Uh, but gosh, a lot has changed. I feel like there, you know, there's always something going on. But in during COVID, we were worried about food service and um, supply chain and those sort of things. And and those have all sort of come back, but now we're dealing with inflation and, and, you know, a lot of um, mergers with uh, distributors and stores that are, you know, just always new challenges. Um, but I would say those are the biggest differences. We've also have some new products. Oh, We have really, uh, I think since around uh, when last time we talked to you, we've been really trying to come up with a new size, a smaller size that would fit better in the uh, cheese and deli sections. Um, Our 11 ounce jars are really great on a grocery shelf, but we've learned from all of our cheese friends uh, that real estate is um, uh, very treasured in the deli and cheese section. So um, the smaller jars are a lot better for their displays, as well as obviously the charcuterie craze of uh, having just a five ounce jar on a uh, charcuterie border for entertaining has proven to be really successful. So we've expanded our line in that size. And we also have some new honey that we were 
actually working with you in the Food Innovation Center that we just actually shipped this week. So really excited about that. Thank you. The new honey launched. That's always great to to know. Hey, I do want to ask you about the name of your company. We always ask people about the name of their company, and it's pretty obvious this company was named after you. Can you tell us a little bit about the decision to call it Kelly's Jelly? I sure will. So actually, when we started our company in 2010, it was my husband and I, Adam, and we were using uh, a recipe. Our My great aunt Danny's habanero pepper jelly was something that we had made for years for Christmas gifts for friends and family. And it was so loved. um, And we got such great positive feedback that that is really um, why we started our company uh, and with just the one flavor. And so our our children were one and two years old at that time. And we had our kitchen certified and did a lot of just of our own market research on uh, what we wanted our product to look like, why we thought there was really nothing like it in the market. And of course we talked about the names and my husband said, what about Kelly's jelly? And I said, that is a terrible idea. No way. Um, and of course, as catchy as it is, it's one of, I think, uh, one of the favorite things about the product. People uh, love to say it. Um, it rhymes. It's fun. Um, but, you know, I always joke with him because uh, he knew better because he was the one he knew that probably when something went wrong or, you know, who are they going to call? If they're not going to call Adam. They're going to call Kelly. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I so want to talk to Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> exactly. Do exactly. people call you and say, I want to talk to Kelly? They do. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So let's tell everybody a little bit about what you make. You have a premium small batch pepper jelly line Mm -hmm. and you have some fruit spreads and now you have hot honey. Can you tell us some of the flavors? Sure. So like I just mentioned, the habanero honey was really what we are. Sorry, the habanero pepper jelly was the family recipe that we launched our business with. And Uh, after working the farmer's markets and seeing all the amazing berries that Oregon has to offer, we started trying to just playing around and mixing those flavors up. So uh, now we have a Marionberry Habanero, which is actually our number one seller, Um, Strawberry Habanero, um, Mm. our Pineapple Jalapeno, which um, is the only one that's kind of, that's that's an interesting one. It was actually our second flavor. We love the idea of the combination. but it's the only one with jalapeno and it's obviously a fruit from Hawaii or, you know, more tropical areas, but it is a really great one for marinating meats as dipping sauces. Um, so that's a great one for cooking. And then we have our preserves. My favorite preserve that we make is a tayberry. Uh, and, um, those are uh, really unique berries. You don't see them a lot around in grocery stores or, around the country because they actually have to be hand-picked and most berries are machine-picked. Yeah. Um, so we love uh, featuring this berry um, and we find it to be very unique and fun. Um, it always requires an explanation as to what it is, which is always fun to explain that, you know, the reason that you might not have heard of it unless you were at a farmer's market purchasing them directly from farmers. We also have a blueberry lemon and then um, our strawberry and marionberry. And we get all of our berries from Oregon, obviously, primarily from uh, almost 100% from Willamette Valley um, and Bauman's. So, 
That's great. It is great. Yes. So one of the things about making hot jelly is that it's really um, hot, right? So when the jelly is cooking, isn't it get kind of hot in the air? Does it burn your eyes? Oh, sure. Yes, it does. Yes, we um, we've gotten used to it. But yeah, we still are using fresh peppers uh, that that we de-seed by hand. And so, yes, it is. It definitely gets hot. And then you have it really is not the best. The the end product is great, but the vinegar and the pepper smell is not the most pleasant when it's not nearly as enticing when you're cooking it as a strawberry preserve or the marionberry. So yes, the peppers are are very um, spicy yeah. and, and, and you definitely good. get that. Yes, very. Yeah. And the other thing that's great about your family company is that it's woman run mm-hmm. and you're a specialty food producer. Can you tell us about what it's like to be the CEO of your food company? Well, it's a great question. I don't really know any different, but yeah. I do know that uh, it's always something new. There's always a new problem or challenge to overcome and solve um, that never goes away. We've been in business for 13 years and it's constantly evolving. So I really love that piece. I love the um, problem solving and I love uh, being able to sort of come up with a vision of where we wanted to go and then seeing how that falls because it never really ends up exactly how you think it's going to, but um, it is really fun to be able to create and really control the direction of of where you want your company to go. And that has changed multiple times um, in the 13 years of, do we want to go national? Do we want to distribute, you know, 100% through distributors? Do we want to self-distribute? Um, all of those things come up and, and uh, are in constant flex based on other outside factors. So, but you had your first company when you were 25 and you went to University of Oregon. Did you study business? No. What's science? Oh, you studied science. Uh Yes, yes. Nice. I did. But I've always really liked marketing. I've always loved relationship building. And I have found that in, in any sort of work I've done in the past and currently is really all about building relationships with your customers and your peers. Um, and, you know, it's great to know. I mean, we look back on you and Sarah, Mas- Sarah Marshall. I've known you all for, you know, since day one. And it's really fun to, to watch everybody grow and, and build those long-term relationships. And I would say that you're the master of building relationships because I actually was invited to a very special day in Lake Oswego with you and your family um, this past, was it in the spring? Was it in the summer? Yes, or it was in May. It was, in, it was May. in May. Can you tell us what happened that day in Lake Oswego, Oregon? So on that day, Sarah, thank you for being there. We were awarded with the uh, D. Denton Business of the Year Award for the city of Lake Oswego, which was a very special honor. And it was great to have people there who have supported us um, for years. Uh, so, yes, it was it was a very special day. Thank you so much. And who is D. Denton? D. Denton was a uh, business leader in the city of Lake Oswego who did a lot for businesses and the Lake Oswego Chamber of Commerce. Okay. And so are you a member of the Chamber of Commerce in Lake Oswego? Yes. 
Can you tell us about that? I think people hear about mm -hmm. Chamber of Commerce, but they don't always know how would it benefit my company if I joined a Chamber of Commerce? Well, again, I think it just goes to relationship building. Um, But for example, I mean, they were a huge help for going back to COVID. Um, If you were a member of the Chamber, they actually provided funding for the businesses that had closed down. So we got some grants from them. Um, but wow. also uh, they just did a really great event called the Wine Walk that they do every year. Uh, they sell about 800 tickets and had 40 storefronts open pouring wine. And, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily that it was everything from little boutiques to the House of Roses where we were that as a um a designer, a clothing designer there, um, real estate offices. So they are really marketing the uh, businesses to the the people who live in Lake Oswego to walk through and learn about all the companies. So very supportive um, and a great, great way to create relationships within your city. Now you, um, didn't you start at the farmer's market in Lake Oswego? Yes. So can you tell, do you still go to the farmer's market or was yes. that, you do? Absolutely. Okay. Tell yes, us a we little do. bit about that. Well, the first farmer's market we went to, uh, like like I said, our, we had ch- small children and we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. We showed up late. We <laughs> had no tent. Funny. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we had Roberto with Crawford Farms take us under his wing because he was next to us and just shaking his head like, who are these guys? We came with, I think, 30 jars and sold out in an hour. I mean, it was just hilarious <laughs> when you look back. Uh, but we have ne- we have always um, we have never taken a year off from the Lake Oswego Farmers Market because we love the interaction with our customers, um, the the one on one we get. We also uh, really feel like they have supported us, so we've always been really big with continuing our support with all of the avenues of people who have supported us from the beginning. And the great part about it now is those one and two year olds are actually working the market for us. So they are getting their work experience and talking to customers. Um, And, you know, that was really one of the goals of Adam and I, when we started the company was really to have our kids grow up in an entrepreneurial spirited family to learn things that, um, you know, about palletizing and all the things that we'd had no idea even about, uh, you know, we were learning as we go. And now we have some little business experts at uh, 16, what are they? 15 and 16 now. Oh my gosh. So they grow up fast. Yes. Yeah. So, so you would recommend people start at a farmer's market and just stay stay anchored in your community. It sounds like my, yes, my philosophy is slow, steady, and, uh, just keep building on what you've, you've got. Um, so yes, that is definitely, I would recommend starting at the farmer's market or a website. And I'm going to ask you a personal question. So you said the first farmer's market, you had 30 jars and you sold out. Mm-hmm. The second farmer's market you went to, did you make more than 30 jars? How many did you make? We did, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we made, instead of that would have been about three cases, we still, we made, I think, double. I think we made maybe like 65 or something like that. Yes. And did you sell out too? I think so, but it took us longer. I think we sold out every time for the first year because, you know, we were making, we were make one batch was 
about 30 jars. And that was done, you know, after we put our kids to bed and did all the shopping for the ingredients and cooked it and all of that. That was, you know, I'm not sure that the rules still apply um, with the home kitchens now, but we were able to certify our home kitchen um, and sell at the market. And I think you can still do that, but I think some things have changed as far as being able to sell into stores. But we, we sold, um, and I mean, we made our jelly, like I said, you know, a couple batches a night um, for over two years. That's great. And so mm-hmm. now when you go to the market, could you just pleasure us with the, the knowledge of how many jars you're selling all these years later? Do you have an approximate? Is it hundreds? Um, let me see. Yeah, about, yeah, probably about 100, 120-ish. Is, is about nice. average. That's mm-hmm. great. And yeah. do people buy it by the case from you sometimes? Do you sell 12 jars? They do. A, a lot A lot of the times, you know, we do a small business promotion um, via our newsletter during the holidays. And there's, there's one particular day that I think we do a big promo for case purchases. That's um, nice. But yeah. Uh, and then we'll have people come in. But, you know, a lot of times now people are buying the three. We have gift packs. And so oh, they'll buy three at a time. Right. Um, and give those out because it's kind of a, a one and done. We've, you know, we've got a recipe card in there. We've got the three jars. We it's gift wrapped, so it's it's even easier for for people than having to kind of buy one and or and then put them in different baskets themselves. Okay, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about some of the competitions you've entered. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. All right, Kelly, I see that you've won a couple of awards, at least that I could find on your website. One of them is called the SCOVI Awards, and the other is the Good Food Awards. Can you tell us first about the SCOVI Awards? Yes. So the SCOVI Award, I came across it again when we really didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and we we submitted that, uh, our, our habanero pepper jelly is when we had the only, that was our only flavor, uh, maybe about three months after we started the company and we sent it down to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, and about a month later found out that we got first place in our Yay. category, which was so great. Um, you know, and, and there has always been, you know, little things like that that have happened that kind of just keep us going and are super exciting. So that was one of the first ones. And that was right before we got our deal with Voodoo Donuts. So we were really on a roll there quickly, which was fun. Um, so that was that that's primarily so the Scoville Awards is based on the the name is based on the Scoville scale. So it's mm-hmm. it's highly focused on pepper people who love pepper, um, anything, hot sauces. Um, so, so I, so that's more of a focus on, on that category. Uh, and then the good food award is a little bit different. That's more, that's also a a blind taste test and there are, uh, different categories for it, but a big component to that is the sustainability of the, uh, of the company. Uh So not only, so once you win or place in the flavor piece of it, then they vet your business practices as far as 
what materials you're using, if you're buying local products, um, if you're supporting local companies, uh, all of those things. So there's there's a second step to that, uh, which I think is really valuable because uh, a lot of our specialty foods are smaller and don't really get recognized for um, all of the things that they're doing that, you know, smaller might be better versus, a, you know, a bigger, bigger companies who would not fit in those molds. So it really lifted a lot of producers up. Um, and we were very honored to get those, yes, awards. Cool. And I do want to go back to the SCOBY uh, word question mm-hmm. for you. So did you have your Scoville units evaluated for your pepper jelly? You know what? I don't know if we actually ever have had this. We knew we looked at what the Scoville units of habaneros were, but I don't think we actually did a, a test to find out what the Scoville grading of our jelly is. But that would be fun to do. Yeah. And the reason I ask is because, you know, Sarah Marshall is on that TV show. Hot, I think it's called Hot Ones right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. And her uh, sauce that she created for them is right in the middle of the pack. It's around 71. And there's one sauce that's like 600 something and so that's a like a show like that's a thing wouldn't it be fun if you entered your your spicy hot jelly i should do that you should think about it you need to know your scoble units so um how have the awards impacted your business do you recommend entering competitions yeah, I think it's always great. You know, anytime you have some news that is exciting to share with people, uh, I think that always helps with brand awareness. Um, it's fun to talk about. It's it's a talking point, I'd say. Uh, I um, There are, I would say, for the good food, there definitely is a pathway to getting into stores. There are some stores uh, like Market of Choice, for example, or Buy Right yeah. in San Francisco that are very committed to supporting the producers that they check all the boxes of what they're looking for. Uh, so yes, I think it's a great way to, and also just to kind of see what you're out, what, what else is out there. A lot of the competitions will provide feedback uh, on a number of different, you know, entry points. So it's good to, to kind of know where you stand too. But I would say, I would say the Good Food Award is definitely something that people should look into because it is a pathway for growth. So you mentioned that you have product in Voodoo Donuts. Is Can you tell us which donut has your jelly in it? Yes. Yeah, so actually, we don't have, have one anymore. Oh, um, Yeah, that's okay. When they they had came with new ownership of several years ago, we, we stopped um, doing that donut. But it was a pepper jelly donut uh, to begin with. So... Mm-hmm. In 20- twenty, hey, all you donut people out there, you can use Kelly's jelly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, in um, twenty eleven, we st- we did Kelly's jelly Thursdays with um, with Voodoo Donuts, and we started with the habanero pepper jelly. Mm-hmm. We, you know, in in the first couple of times they were sold out so quickly, we didn't even get to try them. Um, oh. But then, then we then we started talking about, and this is actually kind of how we started developing our our product line was. They came back and said, the pepper jelly is great, but what else do you have? And so we okay. just started set, making new flavors really for Voodoo Donuts. And it was a great way to get feedback right away from customers because they literally were trying it and we would do something different the next week. And so it really helped us determine you know, what would be successful. So that's your food service line. So do you still have food service size containers? And what size are those containers if you do? We do. So 
We have a couple different food service sizes. Uh, we've got a, a two and a half pound, which is basically a quart jar that we actually do um, that a donut place in Washington called Legendary Donuts. They use oh. our our habanero pepper jelly for the um, donut holes that are called fireballs. They're really good. Ooh. And where yes. is that in Washington? There's about six locations up in the Seattle area. Ah, see, everybody mm-hmm. can get it in Seattle. That's cool. Yes. So those are really fun. And then we've got 20 pound pails as well. And we uh, use those for um, our newest partnership with Burgerville, which has been oh. great. Yes, they use our sauce um, or our jelly to make a sauce that is um, for the fried pickles. They've also used it for chicken wings. And they're coming out with something uh this week, I think, with a, another way to use it in their kitchen. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. And then we've got 20 pound fruit preserves too that we, um, that some other, yeah, caterers and hotels use for, um, for their that's good stuff. It's yes. nice to have those food service items because mm-hmm. you can sell them for a higher price point and yeah. you don't have to pay for shelf cost, shelf. Mm-hmm. whatever they call that when you have to pay to get on the shelf in the grocery store and yes. you don't really have to advertise really either. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Uh, yeah. The, the places that we work with do a really good job featuring, you know, our products and it is great. And like I said, you know, in COVID that totally went away. So it's nice to see the food service piece coming back and, and people featuring our products. So how have you managed to increase your production and distribution? And you mentioned at the beginning of our talk about the challenges with the way distribution is challenging with uh, mergers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk a little bit about production and distribution? Sure. So production, well, now we're making a lot bigger batches. We use 50-gallon kettles now instead of our pot on the stove. So that's really helpful. Um, and then distribution, you know, we we have a lot of diff- we have different distributors, but we try and be as strategic as we plan with we can with them. We still self distribute to almost all places in Port Oregon and Washington, oh. um, either via Beeline, which is the Green Wheels, um, the bicycle distribution. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we deliver every week to them. We also ship to um, Whole Foods and that sort of thing. So. Uh, we have said no to some distributors just because it makes absolutely no sense from our um, business sense and also just, you know, sustainability reasons to send, you know, a pallet of jelly to Colorado for it to come right back to Oregon. That just seems silly to us. So uh, we have uh, we have DPI is our main distributor and they were recently purchased by Kahi who we are thankfully already working with. So it saved us a few more steps than other vendors who might not have uh, already been set up with Kahi. But how many it, distributors do you have? Uh, we have four distributors. Four, okay. And I think I think it's actually three now that Kahi and DPI are back okay. together. So so now we're back. We're at three because they have they have um, you know started working together. So you still is a lot of unknowns with that. Uh, so it's interesting to, and we'll see what happens. Um, what do you so like just about try- being in a distributor? Oh, what do I like about being in? Well, I mean, it's, 
It's a lot. You're moving a lot more product with one, you know, one touch, essentially. You're selling a pallet or pallet exactly. at a time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yes. then they just pay you. Great. They do. That's <laughs> hopefully all the money that you <laughs> sell it for. Yes. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I think the thing with the distributors is you, I, you really can't count on them to sell your product. That's mm. not their job. And I think that people mis misconceive that. So who's selling? Like, you're still going out and selling it, right? And then your absolutely. customers that you make know that mm-hmm. they can buy it from the distributor. Exactly. Yes. So you cannot mm-hmm. just send a distributor a pallet and say, expect to get your full money back that you, you know, get full payment when you don't even know where it's going. You have to really be on top of your customers. And I just look at distribution as a vehicle for it to get from point A to point B. Um, yeah. Because That's like I, a full-time job, right? Managing mm-hmm. that. Yes. So, but it's relationships again, Sarah. So, you know, you, you just do you work. that or do you have somebody yeah. help you? Uh, I do that and yeah. we have help. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. And yes. um, so... In the end, the merging of DPI and KEHI really has been pretty smooth for you, all things told. I mean, really? Yeah, so far, so good. There, it's, it's, it hasn't, we haven't seen a lot of changes yet. Um, but yes, there's, there's good parts about KEHI and there's good parts about DPI. And I'm hoping that they can stay, keep those all together and create a better experience for everyone. Uh, but I think it's there's still some sort of unknown because the full merger, I don't think, or everything will be complete for another few months. All right. So the other piece about distribution is broker networks. Do you use any brokers for your jellies? I don't. No. You don't? You haven't? Nope. Okay. Mm-mm. You're your own broker. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, yeah, well, again, that's it. That's the part of that's the relationship part that I love. I want to know. I want to know as many of my buyers and my customers as possible. So it's not for everyone, uh, but that's the part of the com- the business that I really enjoy. So that's where I focus my time. So if you were if you were starting all over again, is there anything you would do differently? Hmm. She's got a big smile on her face. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't ever really think backwards. I always try and oh, think forwards. That's good. So, so, uh, maybe just not being so afraid of change. I think, I think mm. that, I think that I've overcome a lot of things, but I've also, I've also fought, um, really hard to keep things as similar as I can when you really don't have control over that all the time. Yeah. So especially when you have to buy more ingredients, right. Mm-hmm, exactly. And you might have to switch suppliers and then try and figure out what's the best, best match to what you were originally using and that your, exactly. that your consumers will still like your product like they always did. Yeah, exactly. How yeah. do you go through that process when you have to change suppliers? Is it a tough one or have you had to do it? You know what? I really haven't had to do it too much. We have had to do it on our glass. Um, And that was something that was sort of unexpected and Uh really frustrating, mostly because we had to buy. I mean, the biggest thing we just had to buy 
jars in 24 packs and we sell everything in 12 packs. So, oh, so you had to buy some people box. that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's a really big deal. It is because you want to sell actually six is the best pack size. Yeah. Exactly. But so, yeah. we've always tried to buy this. We've always tried to keep our case packs the same as what we're purchasing the glass in because we find it wasteful to buy new boxes for putting the jelly literally back in the same, you know, compartment. So yeah, we, so, but we did have to do that for this. We had to go, we had to, you know, buy the 24 uh, jar cases and then we had to recycle those and buy 12 pack boxes to get through that. So that was supply wise. I think that was only the only really big thing that we've had to do. We've been able to man- maintain um, all of our suppliers, but you know, I had to th- at the cost of maybe holding some more inventory um, mm. than we'd like. But yeah. So uh, for sustainability's sake, where it just really bummed you out about that cardboard box, didn't it? It sure did. <clears throat> so what do you do with those boxes now? With the with the twenty four packs, yeah. Well, we don't do it anymore. That was a temporary problem, Sarah. Oh, it's over. <laughs> it's over. Thank God. Oh, yes. Um, but we re- just recycled them. Yeah. Okay, so it's not mm-hmm. a problem anymore. It was just a small stepping stone problem. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, do you have any words of wisdom that you want to share for any of your fo- fellow food fellow? I don't want to use the word fellow. For any of our food entrepreneur listeners? Well, yes. I mean, basically, I would just say grow slow. That's my that's my method. <laughs> no one's going to want to like that and like to hear that. But I think growing slow and steady really and and slow and steady wins the race. Yep. And keep those relationships. I mean, that is huge. You know, if if the distributor, um, you know, merger could have been a lot worse if I didn't have everyone's phone number at the store level and know where they want to go and what they want to do with it. Or, you know, um, they're just, yeah, maintain your relationships, build everybody up, collaborate with your fellow entrepreneurs, because I think that is one of the more rewarding pieces and it keeps things fresh because it can be lonely. Yeah, in the food in the entrepreneurial world because you're just kind of scrambling to do everything that needs to get done and I think there's a lot of people who are working in silos that it's nice to reach out and know that there's other people going through the same thing that's really good advice I do have one last question for you and I ask this sometimes but so if you had a famous person use your jelly and be a spokesperson for you who would that be or maybe you already have that person I don't have that person, no. But I will say she's fresh in my mind because we just went and saw Pink in Las Vegas last week. And okay. I just think that she is one of the coolest ladies, Are coolest moms. Just, yeah, I would love to. I need to find her address if you're listening out okay. there. Okay, yeah. Everybody <laughs> send the info to Kelly's Instagram so she can send Pink some jelly. Yeah. All right. Well, are there any other last things that you want to tell our listeners that may have happened over the last two, three years that you're excited to share? I don't think so, except for just go try our habanero honey. It's, uh, we just got shipped. It'll be at, um, it'll be at new seasons in the cheese department. It's super good. It is locally sourced honey from Pleasant Hill, Oregon. Um, 
it just couldn't, we're so proud of it. And we finally got it in the size that we want. We had a habanero honey before in a larger jar and we just, we always wanted it to be in the cutie line, the five ounce lines, and now we have it. So that's a really fun one for the holidays. And uh, just keep it in mind when you're thinking about Oregon gifts for all your friends and family, you can find us at Kelly's Jelly. Thanks, Kelly. You got it. So we're out of time and we're wrapping it up. So I want to thank you for sharing your story with us today and the story of your company. Thank you, Sarah. We record Masoni and Marshall every week. You can tune in on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes, Stitchers, and Apple. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on our show, you can submit that idea to startupradio.com or contact us through Instagram. Until then, bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.